Jesus Christ, lift up a shout in the house of God on this Sunday morning. What an awesome God we serve. Hallelujah. You can take your seats this morning, worship team. We thank you. Aren't we lucky to have an anointed worship team? I'll tell you what, Pastor Deidre, the oil was flowing. Well, if you're new here, I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Natalie Bolt. We welcome you in the house of God this morning. Our pastor, Pastor Brian Bolt, sends his love. He has been at Dominion Camp Meeting in Columbus, Ohio with Pastor Rod Parsley. And he sends his love. He misses you. He really wishes he could be here today, but he is serving our pastor, Pastor Rob Parsley. So he has allowed me to stand behind this sacred desk. And I come with you, alongside you, united with you in the faith this morning to bring a word from heaven that I truly believe will impact your life, your family's life, our city, the generation that we're living in, and what we are facing as a society. So get ready to receive today. Just lift your hands towards heaven for a moment. Say, Lord, do in me what you desire to do. Use my life. I want to be a vessel, a holy vessel for your glory. Prepare my heart to receive this word. In Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. amen. Say amen. God is so good. I love this church. I love this church. You know, we have a vision to reach L.A. and to reach the world. And we have a vision to do that simultaneously. So if you're visiting here today, that's okay. God has something for you too. You know, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit of God greater than we ever have before and in greater measure. And if we are going to accomplish the task of reaching our city and of reaching this world, we really need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. Would you agree with me this morning? You see, I believe the, the Lord has been speaking to the church with a sobering message. And bear with me as I'm going to unpack this this morning. You don't have what it takes to reach this corrupt society, this lost generation, and this dead, dull church. You don't have what it takes, and you need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost and power for this task. In this hour, you need more of the Holy Ghost than you've ever had before. I believe this is a message to the church right now. This is a message to me right now. This is a mes message for this church right now. Because we're on assignment to reach this modern Sodom and Gomorrah. We're on assignment to reach this city. And your head is in the sand if you don't see what we are facing. There's 10 million plus in L.A. County alone. Sin is mounting to the heavens, and we don't have what it takes yet. Three years ago, I started wrestling with the Lord, and I've been in this wrestle with the Lord for three years, and today's message is the culmination of that wrestling. 
I found myself in my prayer closet looking at this city, the sin in this city, the principalities in this city, the sex-soaked entertainment industry, looking at what these children and youth are facing, looking at a dead, dry church, and I said, God, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes for this assignment. I said, I'm not going to let go of you until you give me what it takes to reach this city and to protect these children and to rise up as a voice for you. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me with more of your spirit to do what you've called me to do because I don't have it. I don't have it. And so I wrestled and I fought and I've fasted and I've prayed and I don't say that for any merit. I say it because we need people that will shut themselves in with God. I don't care if you're a preacher or a teacher. I don't care if you're a housewife or a lawyer. I don't care if you're a teenager or a senior. If you shut yourself in with God, he will change you. He will use you. He will give you greater measure of his Holy Spirit. And so, my message this morning is that we need a double portion. Say, I need a double portion. You can open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2. I am going to attempt to teach and preach from this portion of Scripture this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost. So, Lord, I pray your people leave here changed. I pray we leave here with something alive. Bring your word and power. Bring your word with signs and wonders following. Amen? Okay, so, so 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to just give you a little bit of a, a context here because we have new believers, and I'm going to give a refresher for all of you that know this portion of Scripture. So we have the prophet Elijah, and God has spoken to him that he's going to be taken up into heaven, and he has this student, Elisha, this man of God that God told the prophet Elijah would replace him as prophet after he left. And so it's a teacher and it's a student. And God tells Elijah, you're going to be taken up to heaven. Your time on earth is soon over. And so he grabs his student. He grabs Elijah and he says, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to go on a journey. And he goes to Bethel. He tells Elijah to stay there, and Elijah says no. Then he goes on to Jericho. He tells Elijah to stay there, and Elijah says, no, I'm going with you further. Then he goes to the Jordan. Are you with me? And when he finds himself at the Jordan River, he takes off his outer mantle. He rolls it up. He smites the water, and it opens for him. They cross on dry ground. Are you still with me? After they cross the Jordan... The prophet looks back at his student, and he says, I'm about to be gone. I'm about to be taken away from you. What do you want from me? What can I do for you? And he said, give me a double portion of your spirit. Elijah responds to him. He said, this is a hard thing, Elijah, but if you see me when I'm taken up, you'll get it. If you don't see me when I'm taken up, you won't. He says, this is a hard thing, Elijah. And then they're walking and they're talking, and, and out of heaven come chariots of fire, horses of fire. Such an incredible, miraculous story. 
Chariots of fire, horses of fire come in between them, separating them. And the prophet Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. And as he's taken up, his outer mantle drops. And so as he's taken up, his, his student says, my father, my father. And then he picks up this outer mantle. And then he walks back to that Jordan River. And he does what the prophet Elijah did. And he smites the water. He hits the water. It parts for him now because he got a double portion. Even the, the 50 prophets that were observing all of this said, the God of Elijah is with Elisha. And then he does something I found so interesting, which has been the motivation for months of study. He goes back to those towns. He went back to Jericho, and he went back to Bethel. And so I'm going to break, I'm going to attempt, Holy Ghost, help me to break this down for a minute because there are lessons that Elijah was teaching his student. And these are lessons for us that we need to learn here today in this hour and what we're facing in our generation. Amen? So I believe the Lord wants to make sure we are also learning some lessons. So this is a miraculous story. Would you agree? This is an absolute incredible, absolutely incredible story. But it's not just supposed to be some cool story that we, you know, look at the ancient God of Israel and say how powerful. We are supposed to read scripture and desire to live it out too. Desire more of the miraculous in our life too. So this is incredible. This is a miraculous story. But the Bible isn't just a book to be explained. It's a book to be believed. A book to be obeyed. A book to strengthen and enlarge our faith. Amen? So let me share with you what I believe the main takeaway that God wants us to see through this. God always wants... To do greater things for every succeeding generation. He wants to do more of the miraculous. He wants to give more of his spirit. He wants to do greater things for every succeeding generation beyond anything in the past. Would you believe for it? Because it's wonderful for us to read about this. But it's also important that when we face our Jordan, when we face our walls of Jericho, that we can believe God will show up for us too. You can liken Elijah here to a type of Christ. Reminded of the ascension of Christ. And what did Jesus tell us? He said, you will do greater works than I've done because I go to my Father. He told his disciples, he said, go and wait. He said, don't even try to do what I need you to do before you get my Holy Ghost. He said, you're going to face sin greater than you can imagine. You're going to face wickedness greater than you, you could imagine. You're going to face things and you need my Holy Spirit and power to do what I want you to do in the earth. All right, so let's retrace this now. Elijah takes Elijah. He takes this man that he's been training, this student of his, and he wants him to learn some lessons. This whole message is filled with lessons. The first place they go is Bethel. They go to Bethel. They go to Bethel, and Elijah tells Elisha to stay and to tarry in Bethel. To stay in Bethel. He, he's testing him. Elijah says, I'm going on. I'm going further. The prophet says, I'm going further. I have to go to Jericho. Then I have to go to the Jordan. But you stay here, Elijah. You stay here. 
You see, he wanted him to learn something specific. It was in Bethel on Elijah's way back after Elijah was taken up that we see 20 verses later some children that get torn apart by bears because they mocked the prophet. Bethel means the house of God. This is where Jacob dreamed of the ladder of the angels ascending and descending. This, this place has a great heritage of faith and holiness, but something happened in Bethel. You see, there was a king named Jeroboam who set up a golden calf there. And it was filled with idolatry and sin and wickedness. The parents had lost the whole generation. The young generation became skeptics and scoffers and mockers at everything holy. It's amazing that 50 prophets lived there. They had a headquarters there. There was a school of prophets there. They studied the word of God there, but they were unable to affect their society. Bethel represents our evil society. What it's become, a society of mockery of everything that's holy, pure and righteous. We live amongst scoffers today given over to lust, sexual immorality, and idolatry. So Elijah is saying to his student, why don't you stay here? Elijah, you see the need. You see a society that needs changed and impacted. Why don't you stay here? Now, this is his leader. He has to consider it, but this is a test. I wonder if, if Elisha began to think about Bethel. If he began to think about that king that brought idolatry in the land. Because there was another prophet that came before him. And he was able by the word of the Lord to tear down the altar of idolatry. But then he ended up getting seduced by a lying prophet and eaten by a lion. He didn't have what it took. He didn't have what it took to impact that society. I wonder if Elisha thought about that prophet that didn't have what it took. Elijah knew that Elisha didn't have it, but he was testing him. He knew his student didn't have what he needed yet. I imagine Elisha saying to himself, there's more that I need. There's more of the Spirit of God that I need to change this city. There's more of the Spirit of God that I need to actually affect a lost generation. There's more of the Spirit of God that I need so that these children stop mocking things that are sacred. Not these children. Just as they did at Bethel, mockers, scoffers, no respect for a holy God, kids killing kids, suicide rates skyrocketing, a generation so polluted with entertainment and sex. If you want your hearts broken, go sit outside a local high school or college. Listen to the language, the brokenness. I'm not condemning the whole generation, of course. I thank God that, that we have a holy, righteous remnant. We have young people on fire for God. We have kids on fire for God. We have a youth on fire for God. Come on. We have young adults on fire for God that are standing up 
for righteousness for Jesus in these last days. So what's it going to take to get back this lost generation? It's going to take men and women with a double portion of the Holy Ghost. It's going to take men and women that refuse to be refused. It's going to take men and women humble enough to say, I don't have what I need, so I'm going to shut myself in with God. Elisha represents that holy remnant saying, I need more. I need more of God to change this generation, to change this society. I need more. You know, there's a holy remnant in this church that has been crying out for more. And I know sometimes we pull you a little further and we draw you further in, but that's because we know you need more to face what we're facing in this hour, in this generation. We need more of the Holy Spirit of God so we can face everything we need to face. So when we go out on those streets, we can command every demon to go back to hell where they belong. We're not going to be seduced by lying spirits or eaten by a lion. We're going to be able to take this city for the glory of God. We need more of the Holy Ghost so we can accomplish the task before us. We need a people not just a few pastors, a few intercessors. We need people under the sound of my voice to rise up in their prayer closet and say, God, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you give me a greater measure of your spirit. Our children are lost. A whole generation. There's some saints under the sound of my voice. They grew up in church saying, I'll give you everything. Tell me what I can give you. And then this generation came after them and said, tell me what I can get away with. And now we have such a confused generation that mocks the things of God. As the Lord lives, Elisha says to his teacher, I will not stay here. I will not leave you. So he passes the first test and then they go to Jericho. Say Jericho. Jericho clearly has a history of victory. It's where the walls fall down, right? But Elijah and Elisha, they come upon this scene, a city with a history of victory, and it's barren and it's dead. It's empty. There's no trees. There's no fruit. Everything had dried up because there was a poison stream coming through Jericho. And Jericho represents the dead, dry church of these last days. There were even some prophets in Jericho. There was a school of prophets in Jericho. And they had some prophetic insight because we see in that portion of scripture that they tell Elisha, your teacher's going to heaven today. He's going to be taken up today. So there was some revelation. There was some prophetic insight in these prophets, but they had no discernment. You see, we see after Elijah is taken up into heaven that these prophets tell Elijah, we're going to go look for him just in case those chariots dropped him out there in the mountains. You see, they had no discernment. They weren't tracing what the Holy Spirit was doing. And so Elijah and Elisha come to Jericho. And Elijah knows where the ministry's headed. He sees these prophets that lack discernment, great in theology, can preach and teach about anything, but they don't have the ghost. 
they can't trace what the Holy Ghost wants to do. This is where many churches are today. Unable to trace what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Unable to beat in their hearts for what God's heart is beating for. They haven't been touched by the Holy Spirit in power. Are you here? Are you with me? Are you following? They've caged in the Holy Spirit. Grieved the Holy Spirit. Hindered the Holy Spirit. So they can't trace what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Ministers that can talk about the ascension, can preach theology, tell you about every miracle in the Bible, know their history, but can't trace what the Holy Ghost is doing right now. They've never truly been visited by the Holy Spirit and power and fire to purge the sin out of their lives. Elijah says, no, I won't stay here. I won't stay here. Elijah. I need something I don't have yet to impact the ministry. I need something I don't have yet to impact Jericho. If I stay here now, all these students will talk about is your miracles, Elijah. They'll be so focused on the past, they won't believe for anything in the future. I won't stay here. I respect the fathers and the spiritual giants of the faith. We talk about it all the time, the legacy of this house. Smith Wigglesworth, Howard Carter, Lester Sumrall, Rod Parsley, our pastor. But if all I ever talk about is how Smith Wigglesworth raised people from the dead or how Brian Bolt opened blind eyes, God wants me to live and move and breathe in the miraculous. God wants you to believe for miracles in your own life. God wants to do greater things for this generation, greater things than we've ever seen. He wants to do more of the miraculous. He wants to give more of his spirit. Are you with me? So Elijah realizes, I have to have the touch of God myself. I'm not going to depend on the past. I need to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit first. We are facing things in this generation that we have never faced before. Yes? We need more than we have right now. We need more of the Holy Spirit and power and fire right now. Not just in the pulpits, in the pews, and in the streets. You see, this, this gospel got so watered down somewhere. The church is to equip the saints for us to come together and then go win more and more souls out there. I think about April. She went and visited her father after not seeing him for 20 years. She sent me a text. She said, I have one expectation, that he will be saved and he will be healed. She didn't call me and say, come do this. She went filled with the Holy Ghost and power, and she laid hands on her daddy. And let me tell you, he rededicated his life to Jesus. They said that he only had a little bit of time to live. He's off hospice. so much more. There's more. Say, I want more. Say, I need more. 
Elijah knows he's going to be dealing with the deadness and the dryness of the church. And he says, I need greater power. I need greater power than even the prophet Elijah had. God is doing something in this very hour in the church. Would you agree? You see, revivals didn't come through the prophet Elijah, but God did a new work through Elijah. Elijah says, I will not leave you. I am going forward with you. He passes that test too. He holds on. He knows he doesn't have what it takes yet. So they go to the Jordan and there's this miracle passing. Are you still here? There's this miracle passing. Why does the prophet Elijah decide to part the waters? Why does he decide to go across the waters with a miracle passing? If you read the scripture, there's 50 prophets there. They could have built a raft. He could have been carried across. He could have swam across. But he decides a miracle passing because he wanted his student to see something. He wanted the man that would carry on his legacy and mantle to see something. Because he knew Elisha was going to go back that way. And he wanted him to believe for the same miracle working power in his own life. All right, so they've crossed over. They've crossed over the Jordan at this point. We have Elijah and Elisha standing there. 2 Kings 2.9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. We need a double portion of the Holy Ghost. We need a double portion of the Spirit of God for our generation. We need a double portion of the Holy Spirit in this hour more than ever. Imagine yourself in this situation. This great man of God. He's raised people from the dead. Imagine yourself in this situation. Chariots of fire. He says, what do you want me to do before I go? He says, our time's up. What do you want me to do? I don't know about you, but I might have said, why don't you take me with you in that chariot of fire? You just showed me a a corrupt, broken generation. The sin is mounting to the heavens. It's heavy. This church is all dried up. Why don't you just take me with you? Come on, what if I told you chariots of fire and, and, and horses of fire were going to pull up outside of here in 15 minutes? Who would want to take a ride with me? Come on, you could be honest. Who would go with me? You see, God doesn't want you now. He doesn't want me now. He's still bleeding for Bethel. He's still broken for Jericho. There are souls there. And he needs somebody here. He needs some people here that will hold on to him until they get what they need from the Holy Ghost to actually change this city, to actually be a voice for him, to actually change our children, change our homes, change our marriages, get in some school board meetings, change this place. Be a voice for the unborn. Come on. Some people that will hold on until God pours his spirit out in you like you've never known, like you didn't know he could, until you're somebody different, until that fire consumes you and all that fear goes away and you'll be a voice unashamedly in this land and in this city. Oh, 
He shows him the condition of society and the church, and Elijah knows he needs more. Do we need more? Elijah, you know I'm going to need more than anyone has ever needed. I'm asking for a double portion of the Spirit of God that's on you. Elijah responds, if you see me taken, you'll get it. If you don't, you won't. But this is a hard thing. Who was it a hard thing for? This was not a hard thing for God. This was hard for Elijah because it would cost him. It would cost him everything. But he had passed some tests. He was humble enough to know he didn't need or he didn't have what he needed. The first thing we need to do is confess that we need more of God to realize that we're not satisfied with where we are. Then he was determined enough to wait on the Lord and serve until he got it. Then he was wise enough to know he needed anointed by the Holy Spirit for the task ahead and bold enough to receive it by faith. You see that mantle that fell didn't carry the power. He received this double portion anointing by faith. He laid hold of it by faith. The Holy Ghost came upon this man. He picked up that mantle. He went back to the bank of the Jordan. He striked the water and it parted. The prophet said, the God of Elijah is with Elijah. They noticed. So what does he do? He retraces his journey. He has what it takes now. He goes back to Bethel. He goes back to Jericho. He received the double portion. He received a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. He has what it takes to be effective for the Lord now. Now he can face a dead, dry church and a society that's mad because he's had a touch from God. Now he can face sin mounting to the heavens because he's had a touch from God. Now he can face children that have never heard or seen the glory of God because he's had a touch from the Lord. So Jericho is the first place he goes back to. Are you still here? Is it okay if I I teach a little bit today? Because we have a generation that is illiterate of the things of God. And so there are times we'll come in here and the Lord will take over. But this is a message for the church of Jesus Christ that we need to come through. So will you bear with me for a little longer on a Sunday morning? Now when he comes back to Jericho, he does tarry. He does stay. He does stay. He does stay because he's been equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, there is hope for this city. There is hope for this city. There is hope for this state. Me and your pastor had a a fine life. We had everything and anything we could want, a great church, a great home. And God said, leave everything. I am calling you to this place, to this modern Sodom and Gomorrah. And there are people under the sound of my voice. God has positioned you here, whether you've been here every day of your life or whether God brought you here divinely and on assignment, but you're here for a reason. And we're gonna change this city. And we're gonna see something the likes of Azusa Street. We're gonna see a revival sweep through this nation. And it's gonna start here. And it's gonna start with people that are on fire. People that have been shut up with God. People that know they need more of the Holy Ghost. Say, I need a touch from God. 
2 Kings 2, 20 through 22. So he goes back to Jericho and these prophets come up to him and they have this problem that they're facing. I have mentioned it a moment ago and, and, and Elisha has the answer now. Elisha says, bring me a new bowl, a new bowl. See, the water's bad, the land's unfruitful, it's, it's dead there. So this is Elijah's solution. He says, bring me a new bowl, put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the source, say source, of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I've healed this water. From it there should be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word Elisha spoke. Elijah says, bring me a bowl, put salt in it. So they brought it to him and he throws the salt in the spring and he heals the water. You need to see this. 50 men of God, 50 students of theology could give you all the details of the history of miracles that had happened, but they couldn't make this change occur. The society around them, the state of the city was dying, but they couldn't do anything about it. Elijah was anointed by the Holy Ghost, and he had the answer. Elijah had paid the price, and he cried out for that double portion. This man had yielded himself fully to the Holy Ghost and to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit working in him and through him. He had a touch from God. So what's the answer to deadness and dryness in the church of Jesus Christ? Where did the pollution come from? Can I go here? It came from the wellhead. It came from the source. It came from the pulpit. And I'm not calling out the whole ministry, but I am calling out ministers who have killed their churches because they've hindered the Holy Spirit, because they've grieved the Holy Spirit literally causing death because they won't preach about things like sin, because they won't confront sin in our generation, because they won't teach these kids about what they're facing. And so then all they have is secular worldviews instead of biblical ones to guide them because the church is silent in a desperate hour. We have lost a generation and we need voices. came from the pulpit. We want revival to sweep our nation. It has to sweep the churches first. A recent Barna study showed that only 37% of pastors, say 37%, only 37% of pastors agreed in the truths that I'm about to tell you. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. God is an all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe and still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith with other people. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Only 37% of pastors believe that. 37%. I thank God in this church. We believe Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. We believe God is all powerful and that he's an all-knowing creator of the universe and he still rules it today. Jesus Christ is alive and active 
Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. We believe Satan is real. He is a very real adversary, but he is also defeated. We believe a Christian has a responsibility to share their faith like April did. And that the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. You show me a church where a a pastor doesn't preach in the inerrancy of scripture and I will show you a dead church. And a man or woman sending people to hell on the left and on the right. I know this is a bold message, but you see, I've been shut in with God. I've been shut in with God for three years, and I said I wasn't going to let go of him until he gave me what I needed to reach this city and this people. So I'm not preaching just to us. I'm preaching to our children and our grandchildren. He said, bring me a new bowl, a new vessel, a clean vessel full of salt. That's the new heart, sanctified by the Holy Ghost, which all of ours should be and can be. What's the water? The water is the word of God. It was polluted. That's why the church of Jesus Christ has found itself dead and dry and barren because a polluted gospel went forth for years. Elijah says, get me a new vessel, pour salt in it. And he goes to the spring where it started. He goes to the source. He doesn't go to the river. He goes to the wellhead and he pours salt in and it's cleansed. The salt is the gospel of purity, the gospel of righteousness, the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that died for our sins, resurrected, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he went to send the promise of the Father, the Holy Ghost, to empower us, to equip us, so that we can do what we need to do on this earth. Can I get an amen? You show me a man or a woman shut in with God that despises everything in them that doesn't look like Jesus. You show me that man or that woman and that person will change the world more than 2,000 lukewarm ones. If you encounter God in this way, you will make war on all that is godless. I'm going to say that again. If you encounter God in this way, you will make war on all that is godless. If you shut yourself in with God, you will change this city. We will change this city. Under the sound of my voice, if you get touched by the Holy Spirit, no no dead church will stand up against you. No godless society will have victory over you and you will reach a lost generation for the glory of God. That's the cure. A revived church is made up of revived people. There's more. Say there's more. I'm almost done. So then they went to Bethel. Say Bethel. 2 Kings 2, 23 through 24. Then he went up from there to Bethel. As he was going up on the road, some youths came down from the city and mocked him. Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Nobody look at anybody bald around you. So he turned around and he looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. So 42 youths are mauled by bears. 
It doesn't say if they were killed, but they were mauled by bears. Everyone in Bethel either saw it or they heard about it. Now, most people read this and they say, how can this man of God that was just with the Holy Ghost out of a fit of anger speak and have these children mauled? But that is not what's happening here at all. This man was moving under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, under the unction of the Holy Ghost. His life had been touched in such a powerful way. And these children had committed an unpardonable sin. They mocked the Holy Spirit, the sacred things of God. Blasphemy. God had sent prophets to Bethel. There are 50 prophets there. I wonder if they ever warned the people, if they ever warned the parents, if they ever warned the children. Church, when God has dealt and dealt with society, when God has sent pastors that preach grace and mercy, when he's dealt with a society, and and, and eventually he has to send voices that say, enough, enough. He needs men and women filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Ghost and power to speak up for righteousness. You know, the devil doesn't really care what you believe as long as you're silent about it. If you're a Christian, the devil really doesn't care what you believe as long as you never tell anybody about it, as long as you never stand up for it. This act was a message of judgment from a merciful God. Just a few weeks ago in Fresno, at a pride flag raising ceremony, a gay Christian pastor, Reagan Baker, he prayed a prayer publicly calling Jesus Christ queer. He said, oh, queer one, oh, queering one. When he was confronted that this was an offense to Christianity, he said, this is in alignment with what I preach every day. He said, I'm a Christian too. I'm a pastor too. And this is in alignment with my beliefs. This is vile. This is detestable to call the savior of the world queer. You know, I had a lot more examples than just this one. I decided not to show them because I don't want to corrupt this holy atmosphere. The glory of the Lord is looking and searching for people that will lay hold of him and won't let go until they receive more. God, help us heal our city, heal our nation, heal our state. That pure, clean water would flow from our pulpits and raise up voices that will speak judgment when necessary from a merciful God. God has been warning and warning, and now he's raising up a holy remnant. Voices that will speak for him. And Elijah Company... Amen. They're not satisfied with what they have. They know that they need more. Hear your pastor's wife this morning. We have to do something. We have to do something. There is an all-out assault from hell to make sure that this generation stays lost. 
You know, Hitler said, he who owns the youth gains the future. And there is an anti-gospel indoctrination that has targeted our children. An anti-Christ agenda that has targeted our children. Is anybody here? Is anybody seeing this? And we need to fight for them. The question is not, are your children getting brainwashed? It's what are they getting brainwashed with? The Bible tells us to train our children in the ways of God. It is our job to train them because they're getting trained and influenced somewhere. Elijah returned to Bethel with an act of merciful judgment to a corrupt society and a lost generation. He confronted the sin and the wickedness of his day, and that was an act of love. The Lord is speaking today. Is he speaking to you? There are some people here under the sound of my voice, and maybe it's just a few, that will shut themselves in with God and that will truly cry out for more of his spirit, to be a mouthpiece for him, an intercessor for him, a housewife for him, a pastor for him, a minister for him, a businessman for him. Would you stand with me? Worship team, you can join me on stage. How many of you are here and you say, I need more of the Holy Spirit? I need more of the Holy Spirit. You see, I know this was a different message. But it's not meant for you to just go home and say, that was different. That was an interesting Sunday morning. This message is meant to challenge us to cross over the Jordan and then encounter a holy God that will pour out his spirit in this place, in your life, so that when you walk out of these tabernacle doors, you're filled and changed, empowered, and ready to face every demon, every devil, every lost child, the sin in this land, a dead, dry church, that you can be a voice. Jesus. We lift you up, Jesus. We need touched by your Holy Spirit in greater measure. Come on, do you need more? of the Holy Spirit. Do you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life? I don't care if you're a leader, a dream team member, a pastor. Do you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life so we can do this thing, so we can change this city, so we can affect these people, so that we can help the unborn, so that we can be a voice for our children, so that we can be a voice in our homes? Do you need more of the Holy Spirit so we can go out in the streets, the highways, and the byways, and actually make changes for the Lord in this land? Do you need more of the Holy Spirit? Cry out for more. Lord, we need more of you, Jesus. We need more of you, Jesus. Pour out your spirit in this place. We need more of you, Jesus. We need anointed for our homes. We need anointed for our children. We need anointed for the government. We need anointed to make changes in the school system. We need your anointing. If death has creeped in, you are on fire for God and there's just hardness now you need the Holy Ghost and faith
fire and in power on this Sunday morning. You need to cross over your own Jordan and you need to lay hold of God. Holy Ghost, you are all knowing. Begin to touch hearts under the sound of my voice. Begin to pull people back to you under the sound of my voice. Begin to change appetites back to holiness under the sound of my voice. The altars are open. If you say, I need more, I don't have what it takes, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to get filled and changed, I would get a place at these altars. Come on. I don't, if you're a catcher or an usher and, and this applies to you, get at the altar. It's all right. We're breaking protocols here today because we need to reach our city. We need to reach our children. We need to bring revival to the church of Jesus Christ. We need more of the Holy Ghost. Greater measure. This is about to be a hub for abortion. We need to be voices for the unborn. Voices for our children. That will teach them about purity and innocence. Pour out your spirit in this place this morning. Pour out your spirit in this place this morning. We need more. We need more. We need more of your spirit to reach this city, to reach a lost generation. We need more. anointing to reach our children, to be voices for them, to protect their innocence, to rise up against sin in this land, unite some women this morning that are on fire for you, Jesus. Unite and anoint in Jesus' name. Breathe, Holy Ghost. Breathe, Holy Ghost, on every hungry heart, on every hungry heart. Oh, that we would take this fire to the streets. That you would pour out your spirit on every evangelist. Oh, on every evangelist. On everyone that would be a mouthpiece for you. That they would command devils to go and they'll go immediately. 
anointing of the Holy Ghost. Bye-bye. 